I've really realized that Christianity has brought a ton of value to humanity as a whole. And I'm not one of those people that that's, you know, crusading against religion and thinks that it's like a blight upon humanity. I can't help but notice that basically no culture has ever arisen without some form of religion. So religion is serving a function. And before we just arbitrarily do away with it, it's probably a good idea to understand what that function is. And so at the very least, I, I realize saying this isn't enough to call myself a Christian, but at the very least, I, I look at Christianity and I say, there's some real value in those ideas. And before we throw the bathwater out, we might want to know how much baby is in it. I'll take a left, you take a right. Swear up and down that you were right. We messed it up and now we're quiet. Come before the storm, there's about to be a riot. Now we're out of commission, throwing hands in the kitchen. No, no matter who did it, see all the dirty dishes. I'll be up in a minute, no, don't want to get fit in. No, Everybody, welcome to the game, welcome to the show. I'm Seth, your host. This is the Can I Say This at Church podcast. I am so very very excited that you're here. Thank you for taking the time to download the show. And I'm going to thank you in advance for taking the time to share the show and tell your friends about it. Today, got a conversation that I had with John Steingard, who is the ex-lead singer of Hawk Nelson. That may or may not be a band that you're familiar with, but if you've ever turned on the radio and listened to the, you know, the music that K-Love or Spirit FM or Way FM play, you'll hear his voice. And uh, the music is, it's not my style, but that's okay. You'll hear John and I reference that a little bit in the episode. However, he wrote a post a while back and it became a thing. And I thought it was fascinating just what happened and kind of his spiritual growth and spiritual journey there. So I asked him to come on and I continue to be amazed at how many people just say, sure, let's do it with so little prompting. And so I was very appreciative of John's time and his honesty. He told me there were no off-limit questions, and I really am happy with this one. So, here we go. John, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for making the time. Thanks for saying yes. It's always amazing to me when I email someone out of the blue, and they're like, sure, let's do it. Um, I, I always get a little more humbled each and every time because I literally have. Anyway, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate oh, dude, thanks so much for having me, man. I, I love these conversations. I think they're really helpful and constructive. And so whenever I whenever I see, you know, someone kind of reach out to me, I, I go like, hey, what 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 good thing could happen in this conversation? Mm. And um, with the title of your podcast, you know, I just, <laughs> I love, you're touching on something really important to me. And it's the the, the importance of asking questions and mm. creating a space for questions. And so, yeah, man, no brainer. I'm a fan of my title. I wish I'd come up with it. A friend of mine came up with it as I talked <laughs> about like years ago. Like, here's what I want to do. He's like, you can't say that at church. It's like you, you did it. I'm taking that. Yeah. It's mine. I've yeah. given him no money and I'm not going to Josh. I'm not going to because I know you're going to listen <laughs> and you're not getting any. So tell people about you. So I'll, I'll tell them a little bit just for a primer. So as you turn sure. on K-Love or Spirit FM or whatever, every once in a while, they'll play songs by a band named Hawk Nesson, which is your voice. Well, probably not just mm -hmm. your voice, but your voice. Um, yep. So that's a little bit about you, but that's easy to just Google. So tell me when like in a nutshell where you're like, yeah, this is what makes John, John. 
Yeah, I, I mean, my background, I, I, I grew up in a Christian home in Canada. My dad's a pastor. Um, I started touring with Hawk Nelson when I was 20. I was the guitarist originally. I became the singer in 2012 when mm. our old singer left. So there was a bit of a transition there. And then, you know, we did three albums uh, with me as the singer. And then over the last couple of years, I've been taking steps back from music um, and Christian music specifically for a number of reasons and and. and some of them were just that I became a father and I wanted to spend more time with my kids. And, mm. um, and, and then some of it has a lot to do with uh, some things that I was processing to do with uh, faith and belief in God and um, asking questions about my sort of Christian upbringing and Christian beliefs that, that I didn't feel like I had the strength to ask before. And that has sort of led me to a place where earlier this year I, I felt the need to sort of publicly be honest about where I was at with those questions. And that meant admitting that I, I wasn't sure I believed in God anymore. Mm. And um, that set off a bit more of, uh, <laughs> uh, of a domino effect that I had, had anticipated. Yeah. When I did that, we had already sort of been tapering back our involvement with the band and our involvement with Christian music as a, in general. And so I, I sort of didn't live under any illusions that I, you know, I was the center of anyone's universe. Um, and certainly I, I still am not. But when I came out and, and said that I wasn't sure I believed in God anymore, that struck a chord uh, with a lot more people than I anticipated. And I, I probably could have seen that coming if I had thought about it more. Mm. Um, and since then, I've, I've been on this journey of continuing to ask questions about God and, and um, our ideas of God and different philosophies of being. Because one thing I've discovered is if you build your entire life on Christian beliefs and then you get rid of those Christian beliefs, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, what do you, how do you live your life and what do you value and, and, and what do you aim at? And that's a really big problem. And I've been trying to answer those questions for the last six months. Yeah. I briefly, 10 minutes ago at a red light, which is actually when I emailed you as we confirmed, yeah. this was going, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't driving. My wife will listen. I wasn't driving when I emailed it. Sure. It was a red sure. light that one by target that takes five days to turn green. She knows what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. It, yeah, I, I just briefly Googled you and just looked at like the top 20 things. And when you posted what you posted, I have to think that you thought, yeah, this will get five people to comment and then we'll go on about Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday, whatever the day it was. Yeah, I, I thought it would create waves locally within Christian music and then yeah. within a week it would just be, you know, blow over. So what are your thoughts on why that hasn't happened? Like, what like it, right. it, it can't well, just be you like it, there's something right. else there so i think it's complex i think there's a, a couple of things i do think that there is i mean of course the the part of the sort of quote unquote christian response to that and this is an, something i sort of take issue with fundamentally in in general is that oh the media love stories of christians losing their faith because it affirms the narrative that they're trying to tell the world that it's better to not be a Christian, you know, like there is a, and, and when Christians say stuff like that, I actually do feel like they're, a, they're, they're sort of a, they're finding something that's slight. I do think there's a nugget of truth to that. Um, so I don't think it's a completely unfair assertion, but I think it's really incomplete to say it just like that. So I think there is an element of the media are interested in stories of people leaving faith. Um, I think there's a nugget of truth there, even though I, not as much as I sort of think that sometimes Christians play it as. 
Um, but then I also think there's this there's this cultural reality within within uh, Christianity that it's not real easy to publicly talk about your doubts uh, mm. and your questions. And, and this is why I think that the, the thrust of your podcast is so meaningful that you're trying to create space for exactly that. And I know for me, in addition to being a part of the culture that sort of already was not super welcoming of questions, I was also a public figure within Christian uh, music, which means that my... Uh, my livelihood depended on me continuing to hold the beliefs that I held and, and, and not, you know, contradicting them. Yeah. And, um, so for me, I was just like, I, I, I don't feel like I was even able to really ask these questions at all for quite a long time. And I think so many people out there, whether they're public figures or not, most of them not being, I, I think many people feel that frustration of like, I have these questions and I don't feel like I can ask them. And so when someone steps out and does, there's an interest there because there's just not enough people doing it publicly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I can't tell you how many people I get. This is It's annoying, actually. I'm the worst person at email, period, at work, at home, <laughs> with the kids' school, with COVID. Like, my wife has to babysit me to make sure that, like, did you see the thing about the pictures and this and the testing and then right, the drop-off right. location? And I'm like, yeah, no. No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I'll, I'll read of course it I did, honey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I saw that they emailed me. I did see that they did send an email. Yeah, I can't tell you how many emails I get from people that are like, what about this? Can I get resources for this? What yeah. about this? I said this and now I don't have a community anymore. Do you know anybody in the middle of wherever, wherever they live that will accept me and give me a place mm. to to do community with people because I was, I, I've been, like, I, I can't go there anymore. Like I've been told, don't come back because you're causing other people to have some problems or some questions and yeah. we've got a business to run. I think if you're told don't come back because you're causing problems, I, I think that you potentially should consider not going back, but not <laughs> for the reasons that they're giving. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I actually think even if you are a, a believer, I think there are plenty of Christian communities that are open and welcome, welcoming to people that have questions. Yeah. And I think to paint it as if all Christians are intolerant people who can't handle their faith being questioned is not accurate or fair at all. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a lie. Yeah, a music question for you. So you sure. did Hawk Nelson what twenty years? I feel like I remember them. I think like, like for a seventeen or something like that. Let's, yeah, let's round up two decades. Yeah, I was the oh. guitar player. Uh, I was the guitar player initially, and then uh, through all those pop punk days, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then in two thousand twelve, uh, when I became the singer, we sort of transitioned into more of a pop oriented uh, thing. Is that yeah. because of you? Uh, yeah, I was really, actually, it wasn't my idea to become the singer. I I had always sort of excluded that as a possibility because I was not like a pop punk guy, really. Like, I felt like in the role of guitar player, I can I can play that role. I can, you know, like I can be the guitar player in a pop punk band. But I, I didn't think that I had the persona or the sort of, um, or the sort of like, uh, 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 just sound vocally mm -hmm. to to pull that off, and so um, yeah, so so when I took over singing in the band, uh, we basically gave ourselves permission to totally reinvent the sound. Yeah, and and that's that's that was the thing that enabled us to even consider doing it. I mean, there was no version of the plan that was like, yeah, we're going to keep being pop punk. 
um, after pop punk's days seem to have waned anyways with a singer who doesn't do it well. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah. And we played old songs, like, initially for a while. We played old songs because we had to. I mean, we were writing new songs. Um, yeah. and, and we very strategically chose songs from our old catalog that we felt like I could pull off. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, a, yeah, the first couple of years of, of playing some old songs, some new it wasn't it it wasn't super fun for me <laughs> so once 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 we had two albums with me as the singer once we had that second one um we didn't play any old songs yeah, you anymore had enough, after that. you had enough back catalog yeah. so over those let's just say 20 years i want to revision this history just a bit in your brain a bit sure. as it, as it relates to theology and god and religion sure. and faith so if the label or your bandmates, assuming that they didn't, I don't know, because this is this is assumption from me, had given sure. more space for each other to write lyrics, sing about, if the concert venues had allowed you to come in and sing songs of you wrestling with faith, because I have to think it wasn't just the last few years. Like like when I started right. to doubt, I've, I've also done with my... That's kind of the outpouring of this show, was mm. a long time of really wrestling with God, and at the end I had yeah. all this data and all this reading, and I'm like, well, yep. why would I hoard this? Like, how do I... How do I try to give some of this back? Um, for me, right. it wasn't just a, oh, today I'm doubting God. It, it was a long mm-hmm. buildup. So if there had been space or was there space to kind of write lyrics in such a way that you could wrestle with things nightly, daily, in between music sessions, if that makes sense. If, if there had been a space or if there wasn't a space, do you feel like you would be where you're at right now? Well, I mean, I think to a large degree, market forces determine what happens in any you know, in any industry, right? And Christian music is no different. So I think there actually is a lot of space to make music that takes a lot of different forms, but the market will reward you or or disincentivize you from exploring certain things. So like one person that I find really interesting is this guy, uh, uh, is John Mark McMillan. Love him. He's interesting to me because he's a really deep thinker. He's a tortured soul for certain. And he writes some music that's incredibly transformative and, and incredibly artistic and um, not your standard Christian stuff. Mm-hmm. But he can do that because he wrote how he loves. <laughs> He's, he gets royalty checks. <laughs> right. So so literally that one song was so big that to a degree he's still living off of it. I mean, I don't know what his statements are, but like when you have a song that goes that big within the church for a for a number of years you can live off it entirely and then it'll start to taper off i i doubt he could live off that song entirely now mm. but but it regardless it gave him uh, enough wind in his sails that he could do other other things and so to a degree it's like until you have success on that level you actually don't have a ton of freedom and there's no gatekeeper that's making that so you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, although you could make an argument for K-Love now, but... Um, that that they're allowing people to, to voice dissent? Oh, sorry, that you could make an argument for K-Love now that they're so big that they actually are able to to map the trajectory of Christian music as a oh, whole. Oh, yeah, abs- yeah absolutely. Which, which I actually think they are that big. Mm-hmm. And and um, I actually think they're aware of it, too. And and even further, I think they're uncomfortable with, with that, which... Mm. Like I commend, I commend them on. Whenever I get a sense that that they're uncomfortable with how influential they are, I, I think that's that's actually kind of great. Yeah. 
I'm not fully answering your question, so let me try and take another <laughs> stab at it here. I, I, uh, I think that there is, I think that as soon as you are putting yourself in front of people the way that you do in bands, all the rules are different. It's the same way that's like, you know, does a pastor have the freedom to question? Um, I mean, technically they do, but they're aware of the consequences, yeah. right? It's like if a pastor gets up on Sunday and says, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if I believe in the resurrection, mm. then there's a there's a pretty good chance that that pastor's not getting up the next Sunday, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I think it's a, it's a sort of a, f- a fundamental just factor that's built into culture and and it's not a um it's not anything that that any sort of gatekeepers or powerful people are creating yeah so in a sense i think you do have the freedom to question in doubt it's just that you don't have the freedom to question in doubt absence of consequences right um yeah and and yeah so i I realize that's that's not a super straightforward answer but i but i think that's how it is more or less so you're not the first artist that i spoke with so i spoke with um uh david zock I've spoke with John Mark McMillan actually, and then Derek. Wild, oh, cool. Maybe someone else like that. I'm not yeah. remembering at the moment. Um, and they've all given similar answers. Uh, but yeah, I remember David's. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't write songs for Caleb anymore. Like I'm not concerned with Susan or whatever the name of the person's AR. He's like, right. I just, I just, I'm just not. And I'm just, I just can't. I'm not, and I can't, and I won't. And it, you know, yeah. Uh, and everyone's given a similar, a similar answer. Um, or not similar, but around the same corner post. Yeah. I'd like to pivot to God a bit. So um, I read your Instagram post and I've since then stalked you on, on Instagram. I haven't followed you because I want to be that guy that randomly likes things that is not a follower. Because <laughs> if you're like me and maybe you're not because you've got a lot more followers, like I notice when I'm like, well, why is this person even on my page? Like, why are they here? But maybe that's me, mm. the, the, the banker brain of me of who are these sure. people? Like why, how did they get here? Where did they come from? Sure. Um, what are some of the things that you're currently wrestling with as it comes to your concept and view of God and faith, theology, all of the things? Yeah. I, I mean, what's interesting is that when I wrote that post, I really thought, cause I had been fighting against this sort of, I had felt this pressure to, to hold these certain set of views for my, my whole life as a pastor's kid growing up, there's pressure to hold those views um, because I, it reflected on my parents and my what dad. Are those, you know? What are those views, just in brief? Oh, sorry, just like Christian views in general, like tra- traditional mainstream Christian views. Gotcha. Um, about God, about Jesus, about salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, you know, within the context of Hawk Nelson and Christian music, you know, it's obviously expected that I hold those views too. And 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 so I, when I came out and, and said that I don't believe in God anymore, I, I really... I did feel a sense of freedom to being, you know, I I was, I felt released from that pressure, which was, which was, which was really actually awesome. Uh, But then I was faced with the question of like, well, what now? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, um, and since then I've just, I've been more obsessed with learning about ideas about God than I, than I ever have been. I've been, I've read scripture more than I have in a long time. Hmm. I've studied scripture than I ha- more than I have in a long time. I've studied philosophy and theology and psychology a lot more and, and, and tried to get a little bit closer to the bottom of this idea of like w- when we're talking about God, what are we talking about? And, mm-hmm. and, and where did those ideas come from? And, and, and one of the things that I've realized recently is 
because I was raised in a Christian home uh, and are raised with Christian values, and this is actually true for anyone who's raised in Western culture at all, it's almost impossible for me to extricate myself from those Christian uh, ideas and Christian values. I mean, even the idea of human rights is predicated upon the idea that every human being has intrinsic value. Yeah. And and that idea, you know, was not prevalent before Christianity. It wasn't. If you study Roman and Greek culture, the idea that every human being had value, that was not present in that culture. Yeah, most people were property. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and there was a sense of, you know, like like I mean, we could get way deep into that, but but I've I've really realized that Christianity has brought a ton of value to humanity as a whole. And I'm not one of those people that that's, you know, crusading against religion and thinks that it's like a blight upon humanity. I can't help but notice that basically no culture has ever arisen without some form of religion. Mm. So religion is serving a function. And before we just arbitrarily do away with it, it's probably a good idea to understand what that function is. Yeah. And so... At the very least, I, I realize saying this isn't enough to call myself a Christian, but at the very least, I, I look at Christianity and I say, there's some real value in those ideas. And before we throw the bathwater out, we might want to know how much baby is in it. <laughs> yeah. I've never had anybody say that that way. So that's sort of where I'm at right now. And then I've also been studying apologetics and and mm-hmm. and I've been engaging with a number of apologetic thinkers who've been very very kind to me and some of them have have, you know, become real genuine friends in this process. Mm-hmm. And and I've sort of come to the conclusion study studying apologetics that the the whole field of apologetics hasn't hasn't yet convinced me that Christianity is true. But it has convinced me that it's a reasonable position to hold. Mm. And so those two things coupled, I mean, the fact that I think you can be an intelligent, reasonable person and reach the conclusion that Christianity might be true. And then simultaneously, you can look at what Christianity has has given humanity uh, as far as culture and ideas and, and you go like, well, if it's reasonable to believe it and if it's beneficial to believe it, then that's kind of powerful. Now, not, none of that indicates whether it's literally true or not. Yeah. But I'm still compelled by those two ideas of the fact that it, 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 it seems reasonable to me and it also seems beneficial. And so I, I'm almost in this place where I'm like, maybe you sh- you know, maybe you're best to just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> because it might be better, you know, it might, it might be. So I, yeah, we're nothing in there is enough for people, I think to, to be like, oh yeah, John's a Christian again. Um, but, but I, I certainly, uh, th- that's where my head has been recently. Personally, John, I'm not overly con- uh, concerned with labels. Like I think evangelical means something different. I think it means something political. I could care less about Democrat, Republican. Even the word Christian to me, doesn't, it doesn't have any power. It's just yeah. a name and a way to categorize me in a, I think we're a similar age. So I'll just, in that Dewey Decimal System with the index card mm-hmm. in the back of the library book. Mm-hmm. That's all that I yeah. am, like where I belong. And kids that are listening, that's a thing. Google it and you'll see how libraries used to work back in the day before... The internet. Yeah. Um, so I'm not concerned with labels 
uh, in so much as I, I sometimes struggle to call myself a Christian. Uh, and I really? don't think, oh, yeah. Why, I mean, why, I, I'm, why is that? I'm div- uh, see, this is not how podcast works. I, t- I ask you the questions. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, so because that word means something. So in America, the word Christian means uh, anti-abortion, probably Republican. Uh, I think that people have value only if they give money to the church. At least that's not what I say, but that's actually how I act and what I do with the power that I have. Um, I'm more like when I quote Jesus to people and when I Mm -hmm. try to do things in the way that I think Jesus would have them done, I get overtly called that I'm not Christian. I'm not religious. I've lost the faith. So the way that people use the word Christian doesn't mean anything to me because when Mm. they say it and when I try to live it, those are two entirely entirely separate things. You know what's interesting is if you if you just publicly say that you're not a Christian and you don't believe in God, it's almost like you're you're resetting the the spectrum of people's expectations. And then if you flirt with Christianity at all, that then you might hold a, a view that if you had never said I don't believe in God, mm. the people might be horrified about this view. But since you've already gone all the way over there, the fact that you hold this view now is it's like, well, well, now people like view that as progress. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, it's like you just need to go all the way to atheism and then work your way back and people <laughs> and and people will cheer on every step. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> well, except the atheists, they'll say that you're ignorant. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can't make everybody happy. Um, no. And most of us are ignorant in, in, in at least a few ways anyways. More than a, more than a few. Yeah, <laughs> I only know yeah. a handful of things. Well, most of them are related to my family. And then the other is whatever book I happen to be reading. Sure. That's sure. About, yeah. That's about it. The rest of the stuff I've mostly forgotten. Um, what is your... I guess, has there been any flirtations with other faiths as you're basically like, I don't believe yeah. in a Christian God, because that's mostly what your post was about. Like, has there been flirtations? What have you gone after? What have you learned from those? Yeah, sort of- I, I, I've i sort of, I, I went through a phase where I studied uh, other world religions, um, at least on a surface level. Mm-hmm. And then I, do- I dove deeper in some of the ones that uh, that interested me the most. So outside of Christianity, the, the, the sort of, it's called a religion, uh, I'm not positive that it's a religion in the same sense as Christianity, but uh, but Buddhism mm-hmm. is actually a, a sort of it's to me it's less of a religion and more like a philosophy of life. Yes, I agree. Or 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 you could say a philosophy of being, and uh, and there's a ton in Buddhism that I'm like, yes, yes, I like this explains a lot and this is very helpful. Um, you know, on the surface, especially Buddhism is sort of agnostic about the idea of God. I mean, a lot of Buddhist thought would actually not be completely incompatible with Christianity. Right. Now, if you go deep enough, you get into the reincarnation stuff and like that, I can see there being a, a disconnect. But um, there's a lot about Buddhist thought that has been really helpful to me. Um, the idea of meditation, I think, is really powerful. And Christians are essentially engaging in, in meditation when they pray. And, and so, you know, there, there's actually been a lot of science that meditation and prayer activate very similar parts of the brain. Mm-hmm. The only difference being that silent meditation doesn't activate linguistic centers and, and prayer does. But you can also do non-silent meditation, which, which sort of does the same thing. Yeah. But I have this one sort of Buddhist uh, meditation that I actually use a lot when I'm stressed out. And it's just these four phrases that you just repeat a few times while you sort of take deep breaths and you kind of calm yourself down. And it only takes like a minute. Uh, so I, I sometimes do it throughout the day. And, and the four phrases are, um, 
joyful, energetic body. And you just sort of say that to yourself a couple of times, either in your mind or, or, or verbally. And then you say, loving, compassionate heart. And then you say, reflective, alert mind. And then you say, lightness of being. And you just sort of go through those four phrases and you, you think about them and contemplate them. And, and there's something about when you set your intention to those ideas, it's like your mind and your body sort of, they align and, and, and they sort of, they accept that as an aim. And even a minute or two of contemplating those four phrases, I, I very often notice that I come out of it feeling a lot more um, peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I found interesting that I've only thought of recently is that last one, lightness of being, you know, lightness of being that sort of encapsulates almost all the other three in a way. And 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 being is one of the words that I've been trying out as a replacement for God, as far as my own thinking and mm -hmm. and and going like, OK, like the way that I used to think about God, you know, maybe there's something to considering the idea of being itself and that term being used for like that from which everything arises and, and that uh, which sustains all things. And there's a, a guy named Paul Tillich who had this idea of called the ground of being, which is sort of one way to conceptualize God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I've, I find it interesting that the word being kind of dovetails between that ground of being idea and then the Buddhist idea of lightness of being. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so I w t I went on a tangent there, but basically, yes, Buddhism is the one I that I've probably <laughs> found found the most interesting. Taoism, I actually, I, I, there's a lot about Taoism that I mm. that I'm really curious about and and interested in. I read Tao Te Ching, and for anyone that doesn't know, that's sort of it's not exactly a Taoist scripture, but it's sort of a, a it's a good book to sort of sum up Taoist thought. And it, it's very, very old. And uh, I understood maybe 10% of it. Uh, but, <laughs> but what I did understand was pretty profound. So I think a couple of the Eastern religions have been the most mm. uh, helpful to me. But I found a lot of benefit in even just intellectually learning about Islam, about Judaism, about mm. Hinduism, mm. Uh, about Jainism. Jainism is, is, uh, is very strange, um, but interesting. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, there's 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 a lot there's a lot to learn out there, and sort of what I've come to is that you know even within Christian thought, there's this idea that all truth is God's truth, and um, and so instead of being scared to contemplate other religions, I, I actually often would say like to any Christian like go and learn about Islam. Mm -hmm. go and go and learn about about buddhism it doesn't you know whatever is true will be true regardless of what books you avoid or don't avoid you yeah. know yeah and yeah. even as a christian i think you can have confidence that that you know if god is real and he is who he says he is then he'll he'll reveal himself in all kinds of places
spoke with a, a, a Sikh the other day. Um, because oh, I'm yeah. trying to intentionally, so I spoke with a Buddhist this year, a Sikh, and I'm, I'm trying to find a Muslim to speak with that, that I feel like will let me ask questions in a way that may be, uh, maybe in, insulting because of my ignorance. Cause I know, you know, there's some people and, and then same thing in Christianity, like they're so yep. dogmatic that if you ask the wrong question, like that's it interviews done. Yeah. This guy's an idiot. Sure. Um, but I'm there's actually, there, there are plenty of Muslims that, that are open to, there's plenty of Muslims that are open to sort of having those conversations. I'm going to get those yeah. names before we leave. Um, yeah. so, uh, not that I haven't intentionally saw it. I really want to do it locally. Like I want to talk yeah. to in the same room. Um, and that's hard in the environment that we're in and in the scheduling for my kids and COVID and my job. Totally. It's just, it's just hard. Um, totally. I, I hate always doing this over Zoom. Now, in this case, totally. we're on the different side of the continent, not necessarily just the country. So this has to happen. But you know what I mean? Um, yep. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when I spoke with that gentleman um, and by the time this releases, it will already have been out. Like at the end of that episode, I literally wrote down, I've got it written down right here on the desk of we're not any different. Like literally at the mm-hmm. end of that conversation, I was like, pretty sure I could go to his church and except for not knowing the songs, I'd be entirely fine. And I would hope vice versa. But the way that I live is really not any different than the way that he lives in practice, mm-hmm. which maybe I'm a bad Christian. Maybe he's a bad sick. Maybe we're both just decent humans. Maybe we're not. I don't know. I don't actually know yeah. the answer to that question. Well, I mean, the thing that I think is that there are certain things about existence and humanity and reality that are sort of just objectively true. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be a surprise then that any religion that survives to be, you know, meaningful to a large number of people is going to have elements of those same things. Otherwise, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. And so it comes back to like religions only survive if they if they do something, if they if they if they provide motivation for something that's meaningful or if they if they provide comfort for, you know, if they're providing you with tools to face the suffering of, of existence, you know, which yeah. is one of the primary functions of religion, I think. So quick questions, uh, just lightning round, if you will. And I don't ever do lightning rounds, but for some reason. Sure. So also, John, I don't script these. So the questions are right off the head. So I try to make hey. it as, as close to us grabbing a beer if possible, assuming you drink. Hey, I like I, that. I definitely drink. I don't know if you do, but I can't I, do this while I drink. But... <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, I've done both ways. I've done interviews with a beer in hand, especially if it's audio only. And and I've I've come to the realization that I, I might think I'm better with a beer in hand, but I don't think I objectively am better. So I am um, after the debate I popped on, I got on Xbox with a couple of friends of mine. I don't even think I played, but mostly I just wanted to someone to talk to. And yeah. I was apparently hilarious, but and I don't believe I was drunk. However, it was one of those things where they were like, who are you? Like, your jokes are funnier and you're being really mean to person A, B or C. And I'm like, well, I mean, he's being a punk, you know, so there's no way I could do this in a respectful manner. And, and do sure. Um, but the weeds, I love the weeds. So I'm like, I'm a five on the Enneagram. I like yep. every linked article that I can find to that one word that really doesn't matter for the whole paper, but I want all sure. of the data. Um, yeah. So just quick, just quick yes or no question. So um, is heaven a real place? I don't know. Is hell? Uh, I think it's here now. Perfect. I know that's not yes or no, but those are really hard to answer yes or no. <laughs> Fair enough. I would say heaven and hell are both here now for sure. And in eternity, I have no idea. Fair enough. Uh, the Quran, the Bible, the Torah, any other book that I can't pronounce from a different faith, equal value or is one superior or not, none of value of all outside of philosophical? 
I think they're certainly all worth studying, mm-hmm. and I, I don't feel qualified. I think the Bible is the most remarkable document in human history, and everything outside of that, I, I don't feel qualified to... I probably am not even qualified to say that, but <laughs> that's my that's my current impression. But I think they're all worth studying. Absolutely. Yeah, fair enough. Also, mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't disagree with you on heaven or hell. I have no more lightning round questions to ask. Um, mostly because <laughs> when you said heaven and hell are here and now, I'm curious what you mean by that. But let me tell yeah. you a bit about what I think hell is. So I think hell is something that you and I actively create by mm-hmm. intentionally making decisions that break community and compassion and shalom. Like we're creating, it's not a place I go to, it's a place I make, yeah. place that I'm making. Uh, and I think the same thing for heaven. Like that's if that's what the kingdom is, is you and I generating something, creating something, and hell is the inverse of that for right now. I could care less where I go when I die because existential questions don't hold much weight over me. But sure, what do you think those two are? Well, I'm amazed that you're able to to say that existential questions don't hold much weight over you because I feel like they guide my existence. <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm obsessed with them. Um, but yeah, I I fundamentally agree with you on on heaven and hell. I mm. I I have zero data that I trust on the afterlife, right? <laughs> because it's like how do how do I know? Right. Um. So so tabling that, you know, do I believe in heaven and hell? In, in a in a sense right now i mean what i'm fascinated by is if you go back and you you read uh the the sayings attributed to jesus in the gospels he talks a lot about the kingdom of god or the kingdom of heaven if you read that as talking about what you just said here and now it scripture kind of comes to life because i really do think i i'm with you every time we make consequential decisions we're we're either making things better or worse for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, and um, if you're capable of of getting yourself in order and getting yourself together such that you can make those decisions better, then you can bring more and more good to uh, your your future self and and also. Uh, like yourself now, yourself in the future, your family, your community, your country. Like, like if you're able to do that really well, there's almost no limit to how far that can spread. And yeah. the same is true if you're making really uh, detrimental choices that that are damaging to yourself and to your family and to your community. And, and we, we all know people that are one or the other of those that once you set yourself down that path in either direction, it becomes easier and easier and easier mm-hmm. to keep walking that out. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's become one of the guiding principles for me is, is going like, okay, I, I don't know about the metaphysics of God and, and you know, did, was Jesus resurrected? I don't, I'm not sure, but I do know concretely that, that I'm capable of making choices that make life better or worse for myself, my family, my community, and so on. Yeah. And so whichever direction I, I choose to go in, it, it seems to me that pursuing God in a way is, 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 is a description of trying to choose that path of goodness towards, towards the people, mm-hmm. not towards yourself and yourself in the future and mm-hmm. your family and so on. So, so yeah, I, I think that heaven is expressed as a as the ultimate ideal of that of that one, you know, the destination lying at the end of that one path, 
and hell being the sort of destination lying at the, the end of that other path. Yeah. And, you know, when I study the 20th century and, you know, Auschwitz and the Soviet gulags and the, the probable hundred million people that were killed by, you know, Mao's communist regime in China that we never hear about. Yeah, it's hard not to believe in hell when you read about that stuff. Mm hmm. 100%. Yeah. Um, although that would be one of the things on my list of people would say I'm not a Christian. Like I don't fit into the label anymore because I don't believe in some fiery pit. There's actually sure. a, someone posted a picture, I think, on Facebook today at Gehenna um, in, yeah. in Israel. And the sign literally says in Hebrew, there are no fires here. Like none. Enjoy your stay. See what you want to see. Take your pictures. <laughs> but just FYI, there's sure. no fires here. Um, yeah. The, uh, I'm curious, what has the impact been on your family, you know, your yeah. kids, uh, of, of all of this madness that I'm participating in now? What, what, sure. is, what has the impact been for your family? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, my wife has been on a very similar journey to me, um, which I'm grateful for because I know a lot of people that have sort of gone, gone through this process of deconstruction in their faith and, and maybe their spouse wasn't on board and that mm -hmm. caused some problems, you know? So I'm, I'm grateful that that wasn't the case for us. I mean, my wife and I are both pastor's kids. We have very similar baggage. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, m my kids are three and two, so they're not quite articulating these things yet. But, but there's, I think the fact that our kids are with us and that we're conscious of our responsibility to raise them um, has put fuel on this particular fire because it's like it's caused both my wife and I to be like, well, man, we we need to know what we believe because our kids before too long are going to start asking questions, mm. <laughs> you know, and they're going to notice that all, all of their cousins go to church and we don't. You said your kids are three and one. Is that what you said? Three and three and two. Three and mm -hmm. two. Well, I will tell you. So mine are 11, eight and five. And they do start asking questions. And yeah. between the made up questions that they sometimes get from their friends and their friends' parents and my wife and I just straight up say, I, I, don't, I don't know. Some people say this. Yeah. Some people say this. And I have no idea. And for the most part, they leave it alone. They're like, OK. I'm like, it's just yeah. it's bigger than I know how to answer, buddy. Like, I don't. I don't, I don't know. And if they, somebody tells you they do, they're a liar. Because they also don't know, yeah. Well, I think that's a good that's a good approach. I, I actually um, I went to therapy quite a bit last year when I was in the middle of dealing with this stuff privately before I, I sort of became public about it. Mm -hmm. And one of the issues that kept coming up in my therapy sessions was this pressure I felt to to present my kids with a coherent worldview because I had because I had felt like my parents had done that for me. Now, of course, I was questioning it and sort of doubting the worldview they handed me, but but I saw the value in and they created a, a stability for me in my youth um, that was centered around this Christian worldview. And, and I think that's worth something. And so I was sort of like struggling with what coherent worldview am I going to present my kids with? Yeah. And and I you know I said this thing to my therapist and I said, you know, I just I want to do it right. Like parenting. I want to do it right. And and she just said you know, do you think there's such a thing? <laughs> and I and I thought about that for a while. And my response to her was, well, I think there's such a thing as doing it wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, but but I, I, I the, the only conclusion I could come to is that instead of trying to figure out God entirely, and present this idea of God to my kids and, and have that be the foundation of their confidence and stability in life. 
that I, that I probably am going to have to make sure that my wife and I uh, personally and specifically are creating their their foundation of stability and confidence in life. You know that that I, I may not be able to say with confidence that I know exactly who God is or what God is. Mm-hmm. But, but I can say with confidence that as long as I'm able to, I will be right here. I'm on your side. I've got your back. And and I believe in you. And, you know, that's not nothing. Yeah. And and so, so that's sort of the approach that my wife and I are taking right now. And, and just like you said, when we start getting to the point where they can articulate, you know, questions about religion or faith or whatever, there's going to be a lot of us saying, you know, we're actually not sure about that. Here's here's some things that that some people believe, and here's some things some other people believe. And I don't know, like, what do you think? Yeah. And and using it as a, a jump off point for for them to develop their own thoughts about things, rather than um, rather than me trying to strictly control uh, you know everything that they might come to believe. Yeah. Um, another question before that, though, let me clarify something I said a minute ago, because I feel like some people will hear it and be like, wait, what did he say? So when I said that existential like questions about where I'm going when I die really don't matter to me, it's for a couple of reasons. So logically, I was somewhere before I was in this bald head, and I'm fine with that. And I don't think anybody knows what happens when we die, but I know that if there's a God, it's probably a loving one, or it doesn't matter. So yes, I'm, I'm not all that worried about that either because I can't affect either one of those. And so it's not that it's not an important thing to talk about. It's that yep. I don't really have any input in it being right or wrong. And I don't know that if I'm, I don't, I don't like it doesn't matter because of that. That's why I say it doesn't matter. Not that it's not worth thinking about. <laughs> so. No, I actually really agree with you because that's how I answer the question when someone asks me, am I worried about going to hell? Mm. That's how I answer that question. I, I, I just say no, not in the slightest, because mm-hmm. to me, the traditional Christian concept of hell, I suspect does not exist mm-hmm. because it's not, to me, congruent with a loving God. It's not really congruent with the early church either, however, but... Right. <laughs> so. and, and, you know, even within scripture, I mean, there's this book uh, that I really love called And Her Gates Will Never Be Shut by Bradley Jerzak. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, it details... Yeah, three different um, three different views that you could hold within Christianity of what hell might be, and you know, infernalism would be you know eternal conscious torment, and yeah. then annihilationism is just that hell just means you cease to exist. Yeah, and then universalism, which is the idea that in the end God reconciles everyone to Himself, which there's actually a lot of scriptural basis for. Yeah, and, yeah and of course. I look at universalism and I go like, well, that's the one I would prefer. And then anyone who wants to disagree with me, I would say, well, like, well, why don't you want that? One? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, with the hell thing, I, I typically say, like, I think hell either doesn't exist or or it. it I mean, I, there's basically no version that I can find plausible where hell as far as eternal conscious torment exists, I, I can't find it plausible. So I'm not worried about it. I agree. I, I think I was recording at least for the unedited version of the show before, but before we got started, you had said, you know, there are, are things now that you're slightly different with than you were, I guess, at the beginning of all this madness in May or even like a year ago. What are some yeah. of those things where you're like, here's where I yeah. was and here's where I'm at now? 
Yeah, I mean, we've talked about them a little bit, but the idea that Christianity has contributed so much to the culture that okay. I'm a part of, mm-hmm. uh, that that is something, it's a more of a, a newer realization. The pairing of the fact that I think Christianity is potentially better than, than like holding Christian beliefs might be better than, than might be more beneficial than sort of naturalistic beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like, like put it this way, like I, I would rather a loving God than no God at all. Mm-hmm. And I would rather, even if that God is mysterious, which if he is real, he definitely is mysterious. Mm-hmm. I would rather be a part of a larger story than a part of no story. And I would rather believe that that story is going somewhere good than nowhere at all. Yeah. And, and so in that sense, like I think there's a lot about Christianity that's better than being an atheist. Uh, or or a naturalist or or a, a, a you know f- you know reductive physicalist or whatever um and and so you compare that idea of it being beneficial you you, you pair that with the idea that it's actually intellectually uh reasonable to hold that view um i mean those those two things together are powerful and and that's that's a realization i've only come to in the last couple of weeks yeah yeah and it's certainly a long ways off from actually believing but it, it's it's more than I had a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, no, it's honest. I like that. I like honest answers are the best ones. They're they're the yeah. only ones. They're the only ones that matter. So this is the question I asked you about at the beginning, and then um and then I'll wrap you back up and give you back sure. uh, to your family. So and and we probably danced around it, but we'll just we'll just nutshell. It. So when you John say if there's God, here's what I'm trying to say. Like this is what that is. Yeah. These are the words yeah. that I'm trying to wrap around. Whatever that is. What's the answer? To yeah. That? So I, my favorite book of all time is The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Mm. And I went back and read it again about a week ago. And, and for those of you know, the, your listeners that haven't, haven't read it before or are not familiar, it's not a big book. It's pretty small. And it's basically the story of, of, of C.S. It's this fictitious story of a dream that C.S. Lewis had. It, it didn't actually happen, but he tells it as if it was a dream. And in it, basically people in a version of hell which is not very hellish it's just sort of a version of our of humanity almost or earth and and these people get a chance to ride a bus up to heaven but when they get to heaven they find that their bodies are insubstantial and that heaven is this place that's so real that these people that are that are visiting it can't even they can't even exist there without pain because you know, there are these like insubstantial bodies that are that aren't able to influence the matter in heaven. So like blades of grass are like knives and like drops of rain are like bullets. And um, and each of the people has the opportunity to stay and gradually they would become more substantial and acclimatized to heaven. Uh, they're free to do that or they're free to go back to hell, basically. Mm. And what's interesting is you're privy to all these conversations and in each one of them, there's something that's preventing this person from staying in heaven. And it's always, always, always them holding on to an idea that no longer works, but they refuse to let it go. And it sort of paints this picture that's, that your own stubbornness is the only thing preventing you from being in heaven, from experiencing heaven. And that image is so powerful to me. Because I've had this thought of like, if if God is real, I don't want to be so stubborn 
that I, that I miss it. You know, if, if, if there's a, if there's a way of being that's better than my current sort of way of being, then I want to know about it and I want to learn about it and I want to be open to it and not, not just reject it because I'm stubborn. So I've started, I mentioned it earlier in our conversation, but I've started referring to God as being um, because the word God has so many hangups for me and so much history that I'm, I'm kind of going like, what if I think of God as being mm-hmm. itself? And, um, and I also have started using the pronoun she or, or her because, not because I actually think God is female but, or being is female, but because, although you can make an argument for that, that's a whole other conversation, but 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 um but I, I i'm trying to shake up these preconceived notions of god mm-hmm. and allow myself to be open to things that i hadn't considered before um so one of the things that i've been saying a lot recently uh, and i my wife and i've <laughs> talked about this a lot is that i've said I, i'm I, I want to i'm ready to submit to being yes and and what that means to me, it sort of comes out of that idea of great of the great divorce. Like I don't want to be so stubborn that I miss goodness. Um, I don't want to be so obsessed with one form of what I think is goodness that I miss this vast sea of goodness. And and the only way you get to experience all of it is if you submit. And if you if you let your your preconceived notions go when you're presented with something new. You don't hold on to the old so tightly that you can't see it. Um, and so my idea of, of, of God right now is, is, is being itself. And I'm on this journey where I'm constantly saying, I, 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 I want to submit to being, whatever that looks like. And, and it's, it's sort of a form of saying, like, I'm ready to believe in whatever God is really there. You know? And, and that's right now, I feel like the best, Thing that I've got going for me, right? Like, I don't know. There's so much I don't know about God and what's real ab- about him or her or it. Or, um, mm. But but being mm-hmm. itself, like I had this thought. I know this is way longer than probably you wanted on this question, but it's a good question. It's a good jumping off point for this. But I had this thought that, you know, yeah. you mentioned this earlier and I really agree with it. I think our deepest held beliefs are the ones that we act out regardless of what we say. And so, so it almost doesn't even matter what we say we believe. It's like, watch someone, watch, watch them, and you'll know what they believe. And so I noticed that by the very nature of continuing to live, not ending my own life, and bringing children into the world, and hoping that they live too, I'm actually affirming being. Like I'm saying that it's worth it to be here. Uh, I'm saying that it's better to exist than not to exist, as far as I know. And so in in that sense, it's like, yeah, there's suffering in the world, but obviously I believe that being is still worth it. And so whatever that being is, mm. is more good than not. And I feel like I'm ready to trust that and submit to that being, whatever, you know, whatever she is. I like that. I like that. And then just also, nobody's given anywhere close to remotely the same answer to that question all year. Um, yeah. Um, I find myself, I don't want to continue to ask that question for January's episodes and February's and March, but I have no idea. I, I really like having a common thread 
of questions that run through every episode. Um, I don't know why though. I don't, I don't have a reason why I just kind of like it. Maybe it's cause I know I'm going to have at least one question that I'm going to ask if I, if I don't know anything else to ask. Sure. Sure. It gives you some confidence. I've got, I've, you've got a temple <laughs> waiting at the end for something you. something to go home with. Yeah. Um, so we haven't really talked about a lot of what you do now. So point people to where they should go to do whatever you want them to do at the end of this. They're like, yeah, I don't really care to listen to the music of Hawk Nelson, although there's nothing wrong with the music of Hawk Nelson. Full disclosure, John, I've never been a big fan of Hawk Nelson, but that's okay. Hey, fine and with I, me, man. I have, I have eclectic music taste. Today, I've only listened to Cumbia, and yesterday was only Johnny Cash. And then the day before, that was Big Bill Brunzi. Nice. I, like, I try to, I don't know, Big Bill Brunzi is the man. Somebody should give that man a, a, a posthumous Emmy any or Grammy or whatever it's called. Um, where do you want people to go? Yeah, you know what's funny is I know in these conversations, typically a guest will have like a, a book or uh, an album, or or sort of something to hawk, and I have I have nothing of the kind. Uh, so, uh, so I I I I also find it really really funny that like, so my Instagram right now has been basically consumed by these questions and issues and discussions on mm-hmm. this topic about God and deconstruction and faith and stuff, and but uh, career wise I, I do film work and so I do you know music videos. I do video content for other artists. I do a bunch of commercial mm. work. And whenever I'm on like a commercial shoot or something, they're like, oh, like, let me follow you on Instagram, you know, so I can see your work. And I'm like, ah, yeah, that that's not, I feel like my Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, it requires a little explanation. Um, but yeah, so, so. For for anyone who actually is interested in what I do, which which uh, I don't assume is 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 the case, but uh, the work that I do is is the film work that I do is up at uh, my website steingardcreative.com. It's just my last name and then creative.com. And then uh, if you're more interested in sort of my philosophical and theological wonderings, um, then that is over at my Instagram, which is just you know at John Steingard on Instagram. And then I, I sort of have been messing about on Twitter uh, a little <laughs> bit in a renewed way the last few months, but then also discovering what a what a, a brood of vipers that can be. Oh, but so, it's so much um, easier to mute people on Twitter. It's so much easier. Oh, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah. That, like that's that's fair. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've really tried to not block or mute anybody um, as much as possible on social media because I really value dissenting views. Or I only mute um, people. But if that someone's just going to be, like you can tell when it's like a troll account. Like they they only follow people and they never post anything. So I, those are the people that I mute. Yeah, not humans, yeah. just the fake <laughs> random bots. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. So we'll go. Well, I'll put links to those in the show notes. John, thank you for coming on. My pleasure, man. Thanks for chatting. Being. God is being. I think John's right. I think there are many ways to say what we mean when we mean God. And John preached a few times, especially to me. As someone that has done my share of wrestling and continues to do so weekly, daily, John really spoke to me quite a bit in this episode. So if that happened for you, tell a friend about it. Write me some email. 
Give me some feedback. Let me kind of know your thoughts on the show. It helps so much. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to challenge your horizons and for allowing me to do the same with mine in such an open and honest way. If you have yet to do so, you need to. You know I'm about to do the patron thing and you're going to hit the little fast forward by 30 seconds button, but I'm not going to talk for 30 seconds and you really don't want to miss something. So here's what we're going to do. Hit pause. Go down in the show notes. Hit subscribe. Consider supporting the show. I recently turned on the ability for those that want to, to do an annual subscription on that. So you don't have to be bothered with messing with it. But I will say show back up every week. I try to post some things there and um, try to make it worth your while. But when you do the annual version, I believe you save like a 30, it's like a 33 day discount. So a little over a month because the year doesn't add up correctly. Consider doing that. Rating and reviewing continues to be a fantastic way to help the show, as does talking about it with your friends, sharing it on social media. You can also follow the show on social media. And there is a honest discussion group where you will find people daily, multiple times a day, having conversations and thoughts and concerns and questions and really good chats about faith and religion. That's called Can I Say This at Church Honest Discussions Group. If you will look for that on Facebook, you'll have to search for it. And uh, there's some questions to answer there, and um, we'll get you in that community. But it is a safe place, and it's one of my favorite places. Today's music is from Davis Smith. He was gracious enough to allow me to use his music in today's episode, and I am thankful for him and all of the past artists and the coming future artists on the episodes. You can hear his music, as well as all the others, on the Spotify playlist for the show. And you'll find links to him in the show notes. Take care of yourself this fall. Be safe. You are blessed. We'll talk soon.